0: We're going to have a great time together and um, we want it to be a big success of course Uh, we want to have some guests we want to connect with new people and it's an excellent time to do it the weather's going to be looks like it's going to be good and um, so we're going to we're going to have a great time together this is what i'd like for us to do Uh, if you're on social media why don't you grab your phone we have an amazing powerful tool in our pockets, a lot of times we forget about it, and don't think about it. Um, but grab your phone, and what I want you to do: take a little picture just of the card, and then post and say, "I'm going to be there. I want you to join me." And then you can, if you're into hashtagging, I'm not. I'm not much in the social media. But if you do hashtag, you can hashtag Branches Church. You can hashtag. Uh, is it heart? What is it, Shannon? Heart my, like I said, love. love. Okay. So I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to keep it simple because simplicity in my life is a big value for me. Grab it, snap a picture, focus, this might be why I don't ever use social media, I can't get it to focus. There we go. Just take a quick photo and post it. Now look, don't do this whenever I'm preaching. And don't do it like this is one time only. I don't want you to get in the habit of this. Being on social media while I'm preaching or while church is going on. Uh, But today... And yeah, one more time, you're gonna have to tell me that's love, my branches.? <laughs> huh? I think so. I did. Okay. Social media, it takes way too much time for me to post something, but I did succeed, I got it on there. It's gonna be a great event. We're gonna have free food and um, time of fellowship games. This will be a casual Sunday, so. Listen to me real quick, because I don't want you to be the person that shows up in a in a suit and a tie, or in your Sunday best. This is going to be a casual Sunday, so that we can uh, enjoy the games and have a great time uh, uh, with food and fellowship and the service. My sermon, everybody say hallelujah. My sermon will be abbreviated, so it'll be shorter than normal, and uh, not that I'm a long-winded preacher. Don't worry. You're a guest here today. You don't have to get up and run out thinking I'm going to be long-winded. I'm not. But uh, we're going to have a great time next week. Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn with me. We're going to go to the book of Ruth. And uh, Ruth is only four chapters long, and it follows the book of Judges. So if you see the book of Judges, you want to slow down. And if you see any of 1 and 2 Samuel, First and 2 Kings, First and 2... Uh, Chronicles, any of those, you've went too far, uh, but we're preaching from the book of Ruth, and um, it's been a very good series that we've been in, and uh, today's the third sermon in this series from the book of Ruth that I've titled, uh, Adversity and Redemption. Adversity and Redemption. And the first sermon, to kind of recap, the first sermon I preached uh, I titled Defining Decisions. Defining decisions, those are those decisions that become part of our identity. Uh, there are certain things, watershed moments of decision in our lives, that they become part of our identity, uh, whether we recognize that or maybe someone else recognizes it in us. And Naomi and Elimelech's decision to leave Bethlehem for Moab in a time of... Um, of famine, Um, I'm getting hung up because it says fashion in my notes. I guess it auto-corrected to fashion instead of famine. They didn't leave at a fashionable time. They left at a negative time. Uh, During famine, uh, whenever they chose to do that, it became a defining decision for Naomi. It was in Moab that she becomes a widow, that she loses both of her sons, uh, one of those being the wife of Ruth or the husband of Ruth, who the book is named after. And so her decision to return to Bethlehem was a type of repentance. She was returning from the decision that she had made that had marked her life. And it brought her back into God's will among God's people. And then last week, I preached a stranger among the sheaves. And there were little options for Ruth and Naomi, Uh, being widows in that time. Uh, They did not have civil rights. They did not have uh, power to make changes over their life. And so the law allowed for those who were in poverty and strangers in the land that they could go and they could glean in the corners. The master of the field or the owner of the field was supposed to leave the corners untouched so that strangers and those in poverty could take from the field. And it was kind of like a a way of having uh, a social support there for people who were struggling. And it's in the field that Boaz takes notice of Ruth and begins to bless her by going above what the law required. The law only required that he allow her into the corners. But he noticed her and he started to allow her to follow close behind the reapers to be among the sheaves of the barley. And my point of my message was this, God blesses us and he protects us and takes notice of us while we are working in his field. And I pointed out that scripture says that she happened upon the field. So she was searching. And some of us can relate, all of us I believe can relate to this, of searching for something And then finding God, God finding us. We didn't realize it was happening, but she went field to field, searching. And as it happened, she came to the field of Boaz. And it was at the field of Boaz that she felt that she gained favor. And that's what we're all after. We're after the favor of the Lord. Amen? Because if I can have his favor, his favor is not fair. He favors whom he favors. Amen? So today I want to preach out out of Ruth chapter 3, and uh, we're going to look basically from one through the end of the chapter. We won't read it all, but um, that's where I'll be preaching if you want to have that pulled up. I'll make a slight adjustment in my mic because I just feel like it's too loud. So... Today, I want to preach specific, specifically, specifically, specifically about um, Pentecost and the book of Ruth. I mentioned this one time before that the book of Ruth uh, ties together the story of redemption with Pentecost, and we're going to talk about that today. When people ask me what is Pentecostal church or what is a Pentecostal church, my usual response is... Pentecost is not so much a church as Pentecost is an experience, and I don't care if you call yourself Baptist, if you call yourself Catholic, or you call yourself uh, any other of the titles we give ourselves, the reality is for every one of us, we all need to have an experience of Pentecost, and this is what I want to preach on today, Pentecost, the Pentecostal experience. The book of Ruth connects this theme of redemption to the harvest festival of Pentecost. And the harvest festival of Pentecost in the Old Testament was simply a feast where they celebrated the harvest that God was giving to them. And every year at Pentecost, the feast of Pentecost, the book of Ruth would be read to the whole congregation. And it did more than just connect Pentecost with redemption, because the story, we all know the theme of Ruth is about redemption, but it also foreshadowed the revival of the New Testament church at Pentecost. And it did that in this way in Acts chapter 10, which we're going to look at a little bit today. uh, They were outsiders. The Gentiles were outsiders. Ruth was a Gentile. She was an outsider. And as an outsider, uh, the understanding was that she could be a part of God's people, but be a stranger. She was always going to be somehow on the outside. She never would fully have a place. She could be a stranger in the corner of the field. But because of the kinsman redeemer, because of Boaz, Boaz not only restores to her and her family what was lost in the inheritance. No longer is she an outsider, but now she has a part in God's people. And not only that, but we read the book of Ruth, and if you go to Matthew, you find that Ruth is mentioned as being part of the lineage of Jesus Christ. It's a foreshadowing of what Jesus did for you and I as kinsman redeemer. He was the only one that could redeem us. He is the only one that had the position and the power and the authority to redeem us. And it's through his blood that we find redemption. So Ruth, this outsider, finds a place among God's people and she's being worked. God is using her story to show that there is a place for every person in the story of redemption. God made a way through Boaz, the kinsman redeemer, for both Naomi to join back into her people and for her to get the inherited land that was lost and for Ruth to get her part in the kingdom of God. They were, in essence, saved from their situation because of the kinsman redeemer. Remember, they were returning from Moab. They have no power. They have no possibility of restoring themselves. The only option is the kinsman redeemer. Now, if we looked at that only through uh, the thought process of the world of saying, well, that's not right, the way that they were treating these women— God was not using that. God is instead using the truth and the reality that you and I do not have the power. We don't have the possibility of saving ourselves. Only through a Redeemer can we be saved. And so in Ruth chapter 3, Ruth and Naomi have returned from Bethleh- returned to Bethlehem from Moab. In chapter 2, She's went to the field, she's introduced to Boaz and begins to know who Boaz is. And it's in the beginning of chapter one that the full understanding of the possibility that Boaz presents is given to Ruth. Naomi says this to her mother, or to her daughter-in-law. She says, my daughter, shall I not seek security for you that it may be well with you? Now Boaz, whose young women you were with, Is he not our relative? In fact, he is winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. Notice what Naomi says. She says, shall I not seek security for you? The word there can be translated multiple ways. It can be translated as home. Can I not find you a home? Can I not find you a place that is yours? You think about what home represents home represents security it represents some things right the American dream to own a home it it equals having a staple and a stable in life a a staple place and a stable place and security to us as a matter of fact in our laws we have a lot of laws in place to protect people your first home that you ever purchase cannot be taken from you if you go into uh, bankruptcy proceedings and things like that so It represents security. It represents not only security, but the word is also translated, if you read it in the King James Version, as rest or in the ESV. It's translated as rest. And what it means, it means a secure place, a home, a resting place, a place to rest. And so Naomi looks at Ruth and she says, my daughter, how... How can I help you find rest? Shall I seek you a place of rest that it may be well with you? And she's offering to seek something she knows she does not have the ability to give. People cannot offer you the security you want. People cannot offer you the rest that you need. People cannot offer that. Only a Redeemer can offer that only a Redeemer. And that is the message of what I want to preach today, that that can only be found in a Redeemer. The rest that you so desperately need in your life, it can only be found in the redemption of Jesus Christ. And it doesn't mean that trials go away. It doesn't mean that there are not struggles. But what it does mean is even when you walk through those struggles and those trials, you can have the strength to carry on. You can have rest you think about a home, a home should provide us a feeling of rest. My house is, in a sense, for our family and I, is a sanctuary. When I get home from a long day, there's nothing I like more than to just be able to shed off all of the outside stuff that came with me to my doorway. But I get inside and I have the rest in the company of my family and my home. All the other stuff may be there waiting. It may be on the outside at the front door that I can pick it up when I leave. But it's a point of rest. It's a point of recuperation. And Naomi is pointing out to to Ruth the real need that they have that is present in their lives. We need rest from all the things that are going on. What can I do to help you find rest from all of the things that are going on? Rest from the consequences of leaving Bethlehem. The decision to leave in a famine cost Naomi her security. It cost her her home. It cost her the land of their inheritance. All of those things she's saying we need rest from this pressure. Rest from losing the inheritance. Rest from the journey returning from Moab back to Bethlehem. We need rest from the struggle of just getting back here. Rest from the hard life of having to survive as widows, gathering the leftovers in the field after the reapers. It was very difficult. It was challenging. It was a struggle. But it was their only means of survival. They needed rest from it. Rest from the constant danger that their lives were in. Whenever Ruth was in the field working, Boaz promised her, my young men are not going to touch you. No one's going to harm you. You stay in my field because there's some protection here in my field. But what about when she left the field and had to go home? Widows with no civil rights, no power. they, They couldn't exactly do anything. They were often taken advantage of. So she's saying we need... Rest. She's saying we need rest from life's troubles. Rest does not mean that those troubles go away, it does not mean that those trials. Go away, but rest does give a person strength to face the trials another day. It's rest that helps us to keep going and trudging through life because let's admit it, life can be a challenge. And if anyone ever told you living for God was going to do away with all of the struggle of life, they lied to you. They lied to you. I don't care if it was your grandma, your best friend. They lied to you. Because it's not true. Life still is a struggle. And so Naomi and Ruth, they need rest. And notice that every decision made within the recorded scripture of Ruth is about provision and rest during trials. They left the famine so that they could get a break and find food to eat. They returned to Bethlehem because it wasn't so good back in Moab. Bethlehem had been visited by the Lord and now there was a harvest. Every decision was about finding rest. It was about finding that provision. So the message is clear. Rest can only come through the work of the kinsman redeemer. The decision to leave during a famine in Moab, or to go to Moab, Moab, the world, was not the answer. The decision to return to Bethlehem and even getting to Bethlehem and a harvest is happening, but that doesn't bring rest. Getting to Bethlehem, being among the people of God, being in the right place at the right time, that doesn't bring rest. Rest. There's still the strain and the struggle of having to survive. There's still the pressure on life, the decision to get to the field that, yes, you can survive. Yes, there are going to be some blessings there that you experience in the master's field, but rest is not offered. Rest cannot be found there. Naomi says, shall I not seek rest for you? I don't have it to give. But in the next verse, she says, but I may know a person. Is not Boaz a relative of ours? Is Boaz not one who fills the role of kinsman redeemer? Is Boaz not one who has the right relationship? He's in the right position. He has the right power. He's a man of means. Is Boaz not the one who might be, could be the one to give rest? Rest only comes through the kinsman redeemer. It has been God's plan for us to have a kinsman redeemer in Jesus Christ. And it's been his plan to give his people rest all along. Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty eight through 29, he says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. The rest you need is in Jesus Christ. The rest you need is in our kinsman, Redeemer. He promises the rest that we need. And what is this rest? Well, let me tell you what the rest is. The rest that he offers comes through the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which was given on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. Now I'm about to tie this all up for you. Acts 2, 1 through 4 tells us when the day of Pentecost had fully come. Notice this is that season Pentecost, the Feast of Pentecost, they read the book of Ruth. They're celebrating the harvest. The day of Pentecost had fully come. They were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So remember, I said the book of Ruth connects the theme of redemption to Pentecost. And it also connects the theme of God including the Gentiles in redemption. Acts chapter 10 is the story of Cornelius' household. Before I go there, just remember what happened in Acts chapter 2. That they were all gathered together on the day of Pentecost. And as the Spirit fell on them and baptized them, they began to speak with other tongues. It was the same experience, the same exact experience as what is going to happen in Acts chapter 10 at Cornelius' household. But Cornelius is a Gentile. Cornelius is not part of God's chosen people. I'm a Gentile. I was not part of God's chosen people. And you were a Gentile also. What makes you Gentile? Not being Jewish. That's what makes you Gentile. So if I don't know you, you may be Jewish. I don't know. But most of us in here would fit into the category exactly where Cornelius is at and exactly where Ruth was at. We're Gentiles. But God starts working on Peter. Peter that he is doing something beyond just the Jewish group of people. And he sends for Peter to go to the house of Cornelius. And in Acts chapter 10 at Cornelius' household, it's the first time that the Spirit is going to be poured out on a non-Jew. And when Peter walks into the house, the first thing he says to them Verse 28, he said to them, you know how unlawful it is for a Jewish man to keep company with or go to one of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. He says immediately right off. You know it's not lawful that I should even be here. I shouldn't even be coming to your house. But God has been dealing with me. In Acts chapter 10, verse 43, it tells us that, He's preaching. If you want to see what happens between that, Peter's preaching. He's telling them about Jesus Christ. He says, To him, all the prophets witness that through his name, whoever believes in him will receive remission of sins. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. And those of the circumcision who believed were astonished as many as came with Peter because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then Peter answered, Can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized to have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? Notice the same experience, same thing happens as what happened in Acts chapter 2. And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then they asked him to stay a few days. The same experience with the same sign happens to both the Jew and the Gentile. The baptism of the Holy Spirit speaking in tongues as the Spirit give the utterance. Now, we're talking about rest. We're talking about rest. How do I know That rest, this is the rest that Jesus was speaking of. Jesus said, all of you who will come to me, come and I'll give you rest. I'll give you rest for your souls. How do I know that that's what Jesus was talking about? How do I know that the rest that is referred to in Ruth, that is a foreshadowing of what God is going to do in the last days? How do I know? Let me show you how I know. Isaiah prophesied of it. Isaiah 28, 11, and 12. He said, for with stammering lips and another tongue, he will speak to his people. To whom he said, this, what? This, what? The experience, this is the rest with which you may cause the weary to rest. And this is the refreshing, yet they would not hear. See, God had a plan the whole time. And God has been working on one particular thing in every one of our lives. Rest, security, a home the home that every one of us desires in our heart, that we know we're not in the right place, we haven't found our niche in life, we feel somehow out of sync with this world and everything that is happening in it and we're looking for rest and a rescue from what is going on in society and in our lives and we're wanting the trial and the struggle to be taken off and the load to be lifted somehow. This rest only comes through a kinsman redeemer and it is the promise that he has given to his people that if you will come to him and you'll ask, he has a promise he will fulfill in your life of rest. Rest for your souls. That kind of rest goes beyond what the world can throw at you. That kind of rest goes beyond what happens in your family and what happens in your workplace and what happens in this world and what happens in the field. And only that kind of rest comes through the kinsman redeemer. The kinsman redeemer offers rest. And that rest is only in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So maybe you're asking, how how do I receive it? And I'm, I'm preaching today... I know God has been dealing with me that there are some, they need to have a Pentecostal experience in their life. And if you've not had it, all you have to do is you have to ask. Just simply believe that he is true to his promises and you ask him and he will give it to you. He will give it to you. Now, let me take a pause here and talk about our culture. Because how many of us want it done yesterday? Yesterday? When I go to do something, I want it done yesterday. I was complaining the other day to somebody. Amazon took more than two days to get my product to me. And whenever they have that little one day thing, I'm like, it better get here in one day. It better be here. I'm the same way. But you know, with God, what I found the promises can be there, be present. Sometimes you have to wait. If you look at the story, Naomi and Ruth, Naomi tells her is not Boaz, the kinsman of Redeemer, is Boaz not the one who can do something about it. And then she tells her exactly where Boaz is going to be. And she tells her exactly how to approach Boaz to go to him. And whenever he lays down that night, he's going to be in the threshing floor, he's going to be winnowing a harvest. Whenever he goes to rest. You get at his feet, and you put your hair over his feet. Now the world looks as that looks at that as some uh, a sexual advance toward Boaz, but it's really not. What it is culturally is it's showing Boaz that she's willing to submit to his authority as a husband if he'll marry her. And so she sits at Boaz's feet. And Scripture, if you go and you read it, Boaz. He goes and he eats and she's there, she's waiting, he eats. He doesn't know she's there. And whenever she sees him lay down in the evening time, she goes and she does exactly what her mother-in-law has instructed her to do and she puts her hair at his feet. And whenever, whenever Boaz finally wakes up and stirs, it says that it was about midnight. So from dinner time to about midnight, She was there waiting. Boaz was not even aware that she was present there until he was stirred from his sleep. And then he recognizes what she's trying to institute of saying, I want to submit to your authority as husband in my life if you'll marry me. Of course, we go on in the story. This kind of goes away from what I'm trying to preach today. But he says there's another one that's closer that could redeem you. And we'll talk about that next week. But she has to go and position herself in the right place and wait. She's believing that this kinsman redeemer is going to fulfill the need. She's waiting for an answer. And sometimes you have to wait on the Lord. Just because you asked one time and you didn't receive it doesn't mean you stop asking you stop seeking what it means is you get at the feet of the master and you sit there and you wait and wait and wait until he notices okay ruth is here what is she wanting what can i do for you how can i help you but he had to notice her she didn't do anything until he noticed her and then she asked so how do i receive it the only place in scripture that a direct answer is given for that question is in Acts chapter 2, verse 38 and verse 39. Peter answers some men who witness what happens in Acts chapter 2, the Spirit being poured out, and they ask, what do we need to do? In verse 37 and 38, he says, Repent, let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise, what promise? The promise of the Spirit. The promise. The promise of rest. The promise is to you, to your children, to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. You'll have the same experience. You'll have the same sign. You'll have the same everything that they had in Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 10 in Acts chapter 8, and Acts chapter 19. And I can show you over and over and over in Scripture where God poured His rest on people, where God filled them with His Spirit, where God did the work that He promised in their life. And He'll do it for you. The rest. If you'll stand with me, I'm going to be ending soon. How many of you feel well rested after last night? Got an extra hour of sleep. It just dawned on me how funny that is. I'm preaching about rest, that we all just got an extra hour. Now, what I found in in this world, and I'm sure you'll agree with me, is that the thing everyone's looking for, they're looking for peace in their life. They're looking for joy. You don't have to be alive long to realize happiness is not sustaining, that happiness is fleeting. It comes and it goes. I was happy whenever I got a new device and I enjoyed it for a little bit. Now, it's worn off, right? That's not joy. The world is looking for joy. People are looking for peace, looking for rest. And Naomi says, what can I do? Where can I help you find rest? Where can I help you find the security you're looking for? Where can I help you find a home? Is not Boaz, is not the kinsman redeemer the one? And I'm telling someone today, let me help you find rest. I can't give it to you. The person beside you can't give it to you. But I know a kinsman redeemer. I know one Jesus Christ That his promise is, if you'll come to me, I will give you rest. If you'll take my yoke upon you. And you know what the yoke is? The yoke is the oxen. The oxen would be yoked together. They'd always put together a larger one and a smaller one. They put together the strong and the weak. And the strong would help pull the weight that the weak could not handle. But it also did this. It caused them to walk. If one wanted to pull one way, the other one was constantly there them them back in line Jesus said if you'll come with me I've already got the yoke on if you'll come get yoked up with me most people think of that when Jesus said you take my yoke upon you as come come do my work come do what, what I want you to do Jesus was saying no I'm doing a work and if you'll come submit yourself under my yoke we can plow a straight field I can give you rest because I'm stronger than you are. And I can keep you going forward. But what does it take? It's the same thing that Ruth had to do with Boaz. She had to go and she had to submit herself. She had to humble herself at his feet and wait for an answer. You know what's amazing? I'm going to point this one thing out and I'll be done. Ruth, the book of Ruth, third chapter, starts out with Naomi asking Ruth, what can I do to help you find rest? The end of the third chapter, Naomi is encouraging her after she's interacted with Boaz. Ruth has come home. Naomi is encouraging her. and Naomi says to her, Verse 18, sit still, my daughter, till thou know how the matter will fall. Because she came with the message of, you know, there's, he says there's one closer. There's another one that might could redeem us. She says, you sit still and you wait and see how the matter will fall for the man will not rest. He will not be in rest until he has finished the thing this day. So it opens up with Naomi saying, how am I going to help you find rest? I know where to send you Boaz, the kinsman redeemer. And it ends with Naomi saying, I know you're upset. You didn't get the clear answer you thought you were going to get. But you just wait. Because the kinsman redeemer will not rest until this is finished. And I want to tell someone today, maybe you've been waiting. Maybe maybe you've been wanting a different answer. Why don't you just sit still? Rest. While you're resting, he will not rest. While you're resting, he's not going to rest. He's going to keep working until it's finished feel the presence of the Lord here wonderfully right now. I wonder if we could just open our hearts and our minds. Let the spirit of the Lord speak to us. God, there's someone here right now, Lord, that you're wanting to offer rest in their life. God, there's someone right now you're wanting to strengthen and encourage. God, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ, Lord, that your spirit would move into this place. God, confirm I'm preaching today. I pray it in the name of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. She's going to begin to sing. I want us to take a moment and just let the Spirit of the Lord speak to us. And then in a minute, we'll gather together. As a church family, we gather to the front. If You're here as a guest. We invite you to come join us. It's very simple. We give the Lord an opportunity to speak to us and we want to apply what God is speaking through his word into our life. God, I pray in Jesus' name, Lord, that you would strengthen someone today, God, that you would encourage them, give them rest. In Jesus' name.